Success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. So, Sherilyn, this has been just such an amazing time having this conversation, this, I should say, faith-filled conversation about just your faith and how you use that in your life and depend on that. And that has pulled you through so many things. And here we are now, uh, you know, in the holiday season, Christmas is just around the corner. And I just can't help but think, what an amazing thing to do, have you just deliver the most beautiful Christmas message uh, to our listeners, uh, wherever they are in their faith, they're heading to this holiday season. And I would love for you to do that. So could you share the story of Christmas here on the She's Invincible podcast for the very first time ever? Yes. So we like to think that this season is a hustle and bustle about getting gifts for other people. And that's true. That's what we're doing. And a lot of it, we have to realize that every good and perfect gift comes from God. So it says in James, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And the very first gift he gave us was his son. And that's the story of Christmas because it started and the whole thing was planned. The whole story of the Bible is a big pointer to what it took to get to the place of the birth of Jesus. And so here we have this, you know, the introduction to the story, depending on what book of the Bible you're reading, because there's four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so if we're looking at the story, we see this woman who's been chosen by God because of her, you know, deep love for God. And she's been chosen to be the mother of Jesus. And so, I mean, this is terrifying. She's engaged and she's never, you know, been with a man. And here God says, you're going to be the mother of Jesus. And she's like, uh, what? (laughs) She doesn't know what that means. She doesn't know how that's going to happen, but she trusts God enough that says, okay. And she says, do unto me, as you say, you know, let it be as you have said. And he says that she's highly favored. And so here she, you know, angel comes to her and tells her this message and she's in a culture where there's a lot of shame attached to a woman who has, you know, is expecting outside of wedlock. She's expecting outside of marriage. And then she's like, okay, she trusts God enough. Then the middle of her circumstances, you're going to have to tell Joseph. And so that's who she's engaged to, this man named Joseph, who's an honorable man. He's a craftsman, the highest of master craftsmen who does work in like all of these prestigious people's homes. And his fiance is pregnant. And this culture of what do you do? He's given the right to divorce her. He's given the right to throw her out on the street. And so he's in this place where God speaks to him and says, no, I want you to trust me. And I want you to raise this son, be his earthly father, knowing that he's the son of God. Because what is happening in the world is you know, the, um, the enemy is coming against them and he's trying to snuff out any salvation that God could possibly bring. And so there's all kinds of plans. And we learn that, you know, Herod, who's the king, has this plot to have all babies that are born under a certain age, all of them murdered because he's because the enemy knows that the salvation of the world is coming. And so he's like, he comes up with a plan and a plot. And so then, you know, things start to get a little heated and and then you start to be, you can imagine here she's in this place where she knows she's carrying this gift of God and they know they're in this place and they begin to get dreams and they begin to get dreams of moving outside of where they were to another city where they could be protected. And so you begin to see them on a journey of travel. And so they're learned, they're going to a place and they're here. She is. 
and she's, you know, fully pregnant. And here she is, we were giggling about this beforehand, riding on a donkey, her waters about ready to break. And so here she is riding on a donkey, going to, they have to go back to his hometown because they were doing some sort of census. And so they have to go to be a part of a census to count how many people are in your household for taxation reasons and all the other reasons that we do a census. And so they're on this way and they get to this really populated city that there's no room for them because everybody has come to say, hey, this is who I am and how many people are in my family to be a part of the census. So there's no room for them to sleep anywhere. So they're like, well, I've got a place in the barn. And you're like, I need to get off this donkey. I need to get to a place that's dry ground. I need to get to a place where I can be... um, I can deliver this child. And so you're like, what do you do? You say yes to the barn. So here is this, you know, gift of God born in a stable amongst horse feeding troughs and manure. Like, can we just be real about how icky that situation is? And instead of being born in this amazing palace, like the King of Kings should be, he's born in hay, in a food trough, wrapped in like cloth that they rip from their clothing because they had nothing with them, they were on their way traveling, right? And so if we think about how massive this plan is to coordinate all of this stuff, now we have this star that's appearing in the sky that from the foundation of the world, from the very beginning of the atmosphere, these stars are beginning to move and the moon is moving. And these ancient, these astrologers are watching the sky and they're seeing, wait a minute, there's something different here about this particular star movement. And so they begin to pay attention to it and they begin to feel the need to follow it. And so here they were, you know, I think it's, they were east of where Mary and Joseph are at this moment. And so they're following it and they're bringing, and neither, these are wise men, the Bible calls them. These are men of great wisdom and knowledge. And so they're reading the stars and their science mind and they see there's something different here. And they begin to follow it, but they don't just follow it by themselves. They're bringing camels, They're bringing an entourage of young apprentices and they're following the star and they get to the place where they run up against this guy named Herod. And they're like, hey, we've been following the star. It's telling us that there's, you know, a savior of the world is going to be born. That's what the sky is telling us. And he's like, really? How interesting, because my astrologers told me the same thing and we're out to find this guy, too but for a different purpose. Remember, he is trying to kill him. And these astrologers are like, you know, we know he's in this city somewhere. And so Herod's like, yes, when you find him, please let me know. And so they follow this star to Bethlehem and they follow him. So at this time, we're not quite sure about the timings and maybe Jesus was a little bit older, but they bring him gifts and they bring in gifts of frankincense and myrrh and gold. And so these are gifts that wise, very wealthy men give to this family whose child was born in a barn. We've heard that saying, right? Are you born in a barn? That's kind of where it came from. And so then we've got this, you know, this family who's being gifted these extravagant gifts by these wise men. So then what happens? What do they do? Do they go back and do they tell the king, oh yeah, we found him and he's in this little hut over here. No, they were given a dream to go back home a different way. And so here we have now God speaking to Joseph in a dream. We have now God speaking to the wise men in a dream. And so then they begin to leave. And now another dream comes and Joseph is told to move his family to Egypt so that he can can protect Jesus from being protect from being attacked. And so here this whole entire story with all of this enemy coming at them to try to steal this gift that God has given us. And so why is this so important? Why is the life of this child so important? Well, if we fast forward 33 years, this Jesus is becomes is fully God and fully man. Now, while that may not make a lot of sense, how can somebody be fully God and fully man? If we can take the word of God, the Bible for what it is and say, okay, he's fully God. He's fully man. What does that mean? That means he was sinless. He had absolutely no sin in his life. And under the Bible in the Old Testament, there was a a covenant that said, if you break the law, if you sin, if you um, disobey God, then there was a punishment for that. And that punishment had to be by the death of some animal. And so they would take these animals and they would sacrifice them and that would atone or wipe away their sin for a year. And so every single year, the priest would have to do this again. 
and again, or the families would then do it and they would say, okay, we're going to sacrifice these animals to atone, to ask for forgiveness from God for our sins through the blood of these animals. So now we have this sinless man who has no sin whatsoever. And he has he's perfect, spotless, they call him. And he agrees his whole plan and purpose of coming as a child to be to walk the life as a man, to be sinless and perfect, was so that he could then sacrifice himself and give his life as the ultimate sacrifice for everything that we have done wrong. So that every sin that we did yesterday, today, and tomorrow is all covered under his blood. And so now there's no more animal sacrifice because Jesus became the sacrifice. And that's what we celebrate at Easter, his sacrifice and his resurrection that says we are now forgiven, forever forgiven. And that whatever we have done is now covered under the blood. So this, that ultimate sacrifice here that we celebrate later is, is the beginning of this gift where he says, I am bringing this gift, the savior of the world to you. And there was so much hoopla. There was so much. They were recognizing him as the king. They were protecting him. And Herod was jealous. Like, who is this person that's going to be savior of the world? And I am the king. And I am this, you know, massive. I am going to be the, the you know, the, the high honcho here. And he's just like, but God has had a bigger plan. And he is like, you know what? I'm going to send this gift to you. And it's free. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I believe that you came. You were the sinless man fully God, fully man, and you chose to come to this world as a baby to then die for my sins. And when we can accept that, that's all we need to do is accept that he is our savior. But we have to, as part of that, realize that he's God. And we accept him as our savior and we say, I accept that you're my savior and that you sacrificed yourself on the cross for my sins. And that was enough to wipe me clean. And that now every time God sees me, he sees your blood covering everything that I've done wrong. And he sees me as spotless, even though I'm not. He sees me as perfect, even though I'm not. He sees me as worthy, even though I'm not. Because no blood could cover what we did but Jesus. And he did that for us willingly. And it all starts at Christmas, where we celebrate the birth of our Savior, the light of the world, the best gift that God could ever give us is his only son. And he did it because he loves us so much. And so in this season of joy, in this season of hope, in this season of, you know, celebrating of lights and all of that stuff, it's a pointer to the nativity of the birth of Jesus and what that birth set in the earth. That it was, a, it was a, a message to the enemy that says they are forgiven and it starts here. So while some of us think it started at the cross, it started with the birth of Jesus, because that was the Lord saying, your promise, your deliverance is here. And I just want to invite you this season to not go into this season without knowing who Jesus is and the sacrifice that he made and all of the people that were a part of the purposes and plans to get him here, to say yes to hard, difficult things in their own lives, to bring him here. And then he says yes to lay his own life down for everything and everything we did wrong so we can restore our relationship with God the Father and have a relationship with him, not religion, relationship with him as our father. And if you've had a bad relationship with your father, it might be a little skewed because you don't know what a true father looks like. He wants to show you the love of a true father that says, I have everything you possibly need. And you can just come to me and ask me for it. Because if I've given you my son, which is the most expensive treasure he could possibly give it, and he did it willingly. And he did it so that we could all be saved because he loved us that much. Then what else would he withhold from us? So whatever you're walking through this season, just know that Jesus paid the price for you. And God has an answer and a purpose and a plan for you to move you forward into, into exactly what he has you to do. Oh my gosh, Cheryl Lynn, that was just the most beautiful story. And to all of our listeners, all of us from the She's Invincible podcast team want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. 
Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And guess what? We have another amazing, invincible woman for you today. We have Sherilyn Decker. She is a best-selling author, speaker, and coach. For the past 15 years, she's helped hundreds hear, experience, and lead from the voice of clarity so they can fulfill their purpose with bold confidence. Sherilyn is the author of the acclaimed book, Roar Back, Transforming Struggle into Strength, which tells the story of her layoff and teaches us how to not just survive our trials, but use them, learn from them so we can be empowered and help others. When Sherilyn isn't busy encouraging women to become warriors, God created them to be. She loves spending time with her husband and her two beautiful daughters. Sherilyn loves college football, her hammock chair, and deep conversation with friends. She drinks tea, but not coffee. Most weekends, she can be found on the sidelines of her daughter's sports or curled up on the couch with a blanket and a book. Sherilyn and her family live outside Denver, Colorado. Welcome, welcome to the She's Invincible podcast. We are so excited to have you here with us today. Oh, hi, Cammie. It's so good to be with you. I'm excited to chat. Oh, me too. We have so much in common. Like I read this, you, you know, when it first came to me and I was like, oh my gosh, it's no wonder this is a match made in heaven. You're like a, you know, a sister from another mister <laughs> or maybe from it. another mother. Cause I think we have the same mister anyway, but I just am so excited to have you here. I also love tea and I read three to five books a week. Uh, not always on the couch, a lot of times in the hot tub. So, which is why I love like paper books versus electronics because you drop that in the hot tub, you're in trouble. But yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, let's jump in. Let's get started. We have so much that we want to talk about today. And so let's do this. Let's just tell our listeners, how in the world did you get where you are today? And what makes you invincible? How I got where I am is really a phone call. It's a phone call that many of us get that change your life. And it was, I'm sorry, Sherilyn, your position has been eliminated. And so there I was newly laid off and all of the thoughts, right, that come into your mind about now what? How are we going to pay the bills? I mean, I was completely overwhelmed with unanswerable questions and fear completely took over. I was frozen, paralyzed, like all of that, right? And so I'm like, oh my gosh, now what's going to happen? Because I was the breadwinner in that season. And, uh, you know, when my husband and I were both work, we live outside of Washington, D.C. at the time. And so it just required dual income. And so here we are, I'm laid off and I'm like, oh my goodness. And so in that process, I hired myself a coach because that's what sometimes we do when we're faced with transitions. And she's just like, where are you going? And I'm like, I don't know. And in this process, we had to unpack, well, who am I? Because everything I was doing was tied to what I did. My identity was completely wrapped into being a doer. And I had to learn who God said that I was. And I had to dig really deep into my faith and begin to trust God in circumstance. I just didn't understand. And I had no, you know, I really didn't know um, how we were going to make it through. And so that's kind of how I got here. And then how I'm invincible, you know, I can tell you right now where I'm in this season, I have an unshakable faith and a completely bold confidence and Fierce strength, which makes us kindred sisters here, that came out of the struggles that I walked through, and it completely transformed me into the woman I am today. Oh, my gosh. What a story. So let's go back a little and give some background. You were a teacher. You were in education. No. Okay. So tell us, where, what was that job that you were doing? So I was in corporate America. I'd been there. I was, an ex I was a, um, a senior executive there. And I had left in a season where I kind of felt like a little bit of I was discouraged. I was discouraged because I was passed over for a promotion and I didn't get it. And so up in my high horse, I decided, well, I'm going to leave. And so I left to go work for a startup and the startup ran out of money and they ran out of um, we ran out of patience with each other. And so that's kind of what led to the layoff. So I was kind of in a corporate tech environment. Uh. 
So yeah, so that makes so much sense, right? So you're in DC where they're paying top dollar for tech and all of those things that make so much sense. Yeah, I would freak out too. <laughs> yes, yes, that'll increase your faith for sure. Okay, so what did, tell me one thing that you learned from that experience. Just one, I know there's a million, but what? let's say what's the biggest, the one biggest thing? I learned that I wasn't who I thought I was. I was really who God said that I was. And I had to dig in and find out who is that? Because I had all the stuff, I had all the titles, I had the pay, and none of that stuff made any difference at the end of the day because I couldn't hold on to it. But I had to be like, okay, God, if I'm none of that, if I'm not my strengths, if I'm not my giftings, if I'm not my talents, then who am I? And it was a beautiful journey, exploration, that's the word I'm looking for, to kind of dig deep into my heart and say, you know, let's just talk about who you are. Let's talk about who I say you are. And it just kind of completely rebuilt me to be like, well, number one, I'm his daughter. And when you're called the daughter of the most high king, that is kind of like, I mean, that right there is a title. That's a title that nobody can take away from. I didn't have to earn it. It's just given to me because of who he says, first of all, who he is, and then who he says I am. And so that connection of my identity really began, began a completely new foundation for me to build my life on moving forward. That's beautiful. And you know, that is a common thread in uh, people, not just women, uh, people of all gender that uh, they get caught up in. You are who your title is. You are how much is in your bank account. You're the, you're the vacations you take, the house you live in, the car you drive. Oh my gosh, that is so far from the truth. All of those things are fleeing. You cannot hold on to any of them. I love what you said. But the one thing that will never go away is what you just described. And that is that you are the daughter of the king. Oh my goodness. I love that. So powerful. Well, so now you have written a book. You're an author. Amazing. And I cannot wait to talk about your expert zone of genius. My favorite word, one of my favorite songs is your roar framework. Love it. Talk about fighting back, right? Once you, once you were defined in who you really are, talk about rising from the ashes and fighting back with all of the power. Amazing. Let's go there now. Yeah. So the book is the story, the dirty story of the layoff, right? Everything that happened, all the gunk that was coming up to the surface and what God showed me in it and how he helped me walk through that very difficult struggle. And so ROAR is an acronym. And so it really stands for four things. But before we get there, I mean, we've got this image of this lion that's just roaring back at her circumstances, this li powerful lioness. And that's truly what it is. It's realizing that we can go on the offense and what that looks like instead of retreating and saying, oh my goodness, woe is me and sitting in that pity party because I could have that. It's like, okay, girl, pick yourself up, get your boxing gloves on and let's go after this thing. And so that's where Roar came from. And I was struggling with the title. And then I was listening to, you know, this um, sermon, that, you know, this pastor I follow. And he's just like, the enemy will continue to stalk you until you roar back at him. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly it. That's the ca that captures what I wanted to, to, to deliver here with the ability to kind of say, no, you can stand up to your circumstances and you can push back on them. And I teach people how. And so the ROAR framework, um, so ROAR is an acronym, R stands for responding to the circumstances that come to our life. So it's the difference between responding and reacting. And I give several examples of what it looks like to react. And that's, you know, in those emotional things. Um, and then versus what does it look like to really respond um, with that offensive power of God and that standing in, in his promises and believing what he says about who you are and, and then realizing that there's just so much power in, in that. And there's a couple other examples in there too. And then O stands for overcoming the obstacles. And so we can see things coming when we learn how to read the terrain. And I kind of give, give an example of like learning how to drive when someone's like, hey, watch for the potholes. And the potholes are there that someone else knows. And they're like, hey, watch for that hole in the road. And this is how you swerve around it. Well, same thing with our life. When we realize that anger is starting to trigger us, we can be like, ah, 
I recognize that I can avoid that because someone else, or I have my own experience that shows me how to navigate around that. We can choose to do something different and overcome those obstacles that are coming at us. A stands for applying the lessons from the past seasons. And so we like to think, phew, I'm through that. I'm done. But there's so much treasure in the trial that we've walked through that we can be when we've heard that saying going around the mountain again, when we kind of get to that same spot and we're like, this kind of looks familiar. Then we get an opportunity to say, ah, yes, I learned from that the first time. And I don't have to repeat those same mistakes. I can learn something. I can apply what I've learned and move forward. And so it's the framework of how to do that in the apply section. And then the last is what we're doing today, revealing my testimony, our testimony um, to other people, our story of what happened in our struggle and how we came out of it, that strength. Because I love what the word of God says. It says we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, which is the, you know, the price Jesus paid for us, his, his death and resurrection. And then the word of our testimony. And that, that's our experience. That's what God has done for us. That's how we've walked through the difficulties and realizing that the power is in sharing our story. And so that is the book, Roar Back, and how we build that confidence. And out of that season, out of that confidence, because um, it's not my confidence. It's not one that's based on my strength. It's based on the confidence that God gave me that says, you know what? Let's build it on my foundation. Let's do things my way. And then now, now it's completely unshakable. If something were to hit my family, and it does, then I can come at it from a different way with um, fully equipped. So it's really a manual for how to walk through difficulties of life. I love that. So I'm going to have you break this down for us. So I want to have you give an example for each of these of how you can do this instead of that. So I think that, um, you know, as listeners are listening, they're thinking, oh, that's great. But how do I do that? So without reading the whole book yet, let's give them a little insight on that. So tell us about a little bit more about R, about how, I mean, it all sounds so simple in writing, right? You look at it on a piece of paper and you think, oh yeah, that looks great. How do we apply it? So let's talk a little bit about that. I don't want you to give away everything in the book, obviously, but let's give them some examples. So the first one is R and that is to respond versus react. Give us an example, uh, everyday example, things happen every day to people. How can they do that? So I think sometimes when things happen to us and we're like, oh my goodness, what has just happened? We get in that place and I'll use my example of my layoff. I got in the place of fear. I got in the place of, oh my goodness, I'm, I was afraid. I began to worry. I began to get anxious. And so all of those responses, these emotional things that are coming up, we're not telling the truth because the truth of the matter is well, the way I should respond is standing on the promise of God that says he's my provider. So it doesn't matter whether I am my provider anymore because I wasn't. I had to trust God and say, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know how this is going to work, but I can trust the who and the who is God. And he says he's my provider. And so that's the promise I'm going to stand on that I find in the word of God. That's there. Every example that we could possibly talk about, there's a, something in the Bible that says I have a, he has a promise about that. So we take that promise and we respond by declaring, okay. God, you are my provider. And so I didn't have to, I have to say it over and over and over until it made it from like the 18 inches from my head to my heart to I could finally truly believe, all right, you're my provider. And then things started to change. Things started to change in the way that um, just a, we got a Costco rebate check, right? You know, you, you pay the membership, you, you spend a lot of money there. They give you a rebate check at the end of the year. And it was the same amount as my electric bill plus a little extra. So I wasn't sure how I was going to pay my electric bill, but now the money that I had budgeted for groceries has now paid me back and given me enough money to cover my electric bill. And so that was extra. And then we're walking the dogs, you know, on the sidewalk. We're not near, in a, we were in a neighborhood and we're not near anybody's in particular house. We're kind of by open space. And my daughter, who's probably five at the time, finds $50 on the side, like in the ditch, and like, it's not like it fell out of someone's car or, hey, we just saw somebody in front of us drop it. It was there for us. And so like, where did that come from? I don't know. But that paid for gas that week. So I mean, I can't, I have countless examples of how 
things like that just happened. And now it may not happen the same way for you. I had a girlfriend who got a check in the mail. I have another girlfriend who said somebody came up to her at church and said, I feel like I should, you know, give this to you. And so just to be able to say, God, I don't know how you're going to provide, but I trust that your word says you are my provider. So I'm going to choose to not get anxious, to not get worried, to not get into fear, but to trust who you are, who you say you are. And so that's the essence and um, of what respond means. I love that. Okay, so I'm going to take you to a place that we haven't even talked about, but I know you can handle it. So there are people listening to this right now, right? Everyone is on their own faith walk, their own faith journey. Not everyone has this relationship with this God that you talk about. Uh, I understand you and I'm there, but let's tell them that because that's one way. But now if they're scratching their head saying, well, who is this God? And where do I find this information? And how do I know that he, that I can count on him and he's going to provide all these things. So let's spend a couple minutes there and just kind of walk them through that. Um, just, just to kind of give them some small direction. Yeah. It's so for me, God is, you know, the God of the Bible. And this is the one who created the world, who created us in his image, and who sent his son to die for us so that we could, you know, by his grace, have forgiveness for everything that we do wrong. And that gives us a get out of hell free card. (laughs) And it gives us the access and ability to access God and say, hey, I, you know, I need you. He fills us up and he, he becomes he, he just become, we begin to have a personal relationship with him. This is not about religion. This is about me having a relationship with the God who is called father in a, such a loving way that he says, I've got all your needs met, Sherilyn. You don't have to worry about it. And so in the, in the Bible, which is called the word of God, he gives us all kinds of instruction for daily life. He gives us all kinds of promises that says, I will be there for you. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will direct you. Listen, and you will hear a voice telling you to turn to the left or turn to the right. It's that voice of conviction when you're about ready to do something wrong. That's like, are you sure about that? It's that, you know, it's that gut check. And as we begin to build a relationship with God, then we, that comes through trusting him. And we have to realize that his word is the highest word there could ever possibly be. And so when, when he says he's going to do something, it's not just he has integrity. It's that his word is enough. It's like my yes is yes, and my no is no, and my promise is my promise, and I will fulfill it. My word will not turn void. I am not a man that I should lie. This is who he is. And so to be able to understand first who God is, and you get that by understanding his personality and diving in and reading the word and finding good Bible-believing churches and sitting under leadership, pastoral leadership that can kind of equip you listening to, you know, Christian podcasts that can help equip you into who God is, reading Christian books that can help help disciple you in the process of what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus. That's what disciple means, to become a follower of Jesus. And so we can begin to do that and be by learning who he is. And so all throughout the Bible, you know, I would have flags all over it that said, this is God's promise to me. He will lead me. He will direct me. He will give me wisdom when I ask for it. He will give me, he is my provider. He is my protector. All of these things come from the word of God. I'm not making this up. This is who he says he is and what he will do for those who you know, who love him. And he loves all of us. So if you're thinking, if you're out there thinking, oh, God can't love me, Oh, dear sister, (laughs) there is nothing that you could have ever done that would make God not love you. Jesus' sacrifice was enough for whatever it is that you did. And so just let's just start with the clean slate of know that you are forgiven. If you accept Christ as your savior, savior, that's enough. And now we can just move forward and say, okay, now. How do I get through life? How do I do life? And it doesn't mean struggles won't happen because I tell you what, I was saved in the womb. I promise you my parents, I mean, I've come from a several generations of Christians, but I didn't come to faith until I was, you know, like little, and then I had to work it out. And then I had to like grow in this yet still, I lost my job. Still, I had to dig in and say, okay, God, who am I still? I had to dig in and say, do you really provide for me? Because I've been providing for me this whole time and you've been blessing me and that's been great. But without that, 
are you still good? And he was, and he still is. That is amazing. And, you know, just for just, I just want to say too, to our listeners is that, you know, if you didn't grow up that way in a Christian home, that I find that most people come to the Lord through trial, right? The dark nights of the soul. So if you're in that place thinking, well, I didn't grow up that way. Let me just say, if you're in a place right now where you're searching or you're struggling um, or you're lacking uh, or you're having those dark nights of the soul, then you definitely want to to tune in, maybe listen to this again and click on the show notes because we're going to put something in the show notes that will lead you to where you need to go to support you uh, in this conversation if you need more conversation around it. Thank you for that, for taking that pause and going with me. I really feel like we needed to do that. So let's go to O, overcoming obstacles. Give us an example. I do. I think you just said in so many ways, but, but what did you, besides what you've already said, what else did you do? Were there some affirmations that you had that you practiced? Like what was your practice that kept your head in the game every day? Yeah. So I think for obstacles, the biggest thing was to realize that I had to learn how to see things coming because when you know how that, when you know that, I mean, I, there's this description that, um, Paul, who writes, you know, several books in the, in the New Testament, and he's writing about the armor of God. And he's talking about putting on our armor. And one of the things he's talking about is this shield of faith. And he was like, okay, this is the faith that we trust that God will do what he says he will do. That's it's basic. And he says, okay, you pick up your shield of faith because it can extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. So that means to me, like I'm seeing pictures of Robin Hood, I'm dating myself here, or maybe Lord of the Rings for those of you know us who are a little bit younger. <laughs> and so we've got this picture of these flaming arrows, these arrows that are lit on fire, and they're coming at the enemy. So that means, hello, you can see them. And so if we think that sometimes the things that the enemy of our soul throws at us, these are on fire. These are flaming arrows that are coming to penetrate our lives and to kind of, you know, screw it all up. And if we can recognize what those things are, then we can say, ah, I know how to deal with that. And so part of it is learning what those things are. And for all of us, it's going to be different. I talked about how, you know, I was in fear. Some of us, it's anxiety and some of us, it's worry. And some of it is um, anger. Um, I, I love the movie um, Inside Out, where there's these cartoon characters, and they all have personalities that are their emotion, right? And there's this little guy whose whole head goes on fire when he's mad. And so there are things that kind of push our buttons, and we can realize what those things are that are our trigger points. I had a client one time, and she calls me, and she's so frustrated. And she spent the first 10 minutes of our session just venting, which is fine, because that's sometimes what you do. And she's just like, Sherilyn, my boss, he sent me a text message. Can you asking for something? And, you know, and I, and then he was disappointed because he didn't get what he asked for. And she goes, but he sent me a text. He didn't stop by my office. He didn't pick up the phone. It was this random text. And, you know, and I was like, okay, well then where's the trap? Where did you fall into the trap? She's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, where did, where was the trap? Because you know, it was his lack of expectation. Well, then that means the trap was you didn't get enough information. So here she stepped into the, I didn't get enough information. And so now it was, oh, wait a minute. I could have gone back and been like, well, you know, let's have a conversation. Let me get more information for what you need. And so now he didn't mean to set her up or maybe he did, but at the end of the day, she didn't get clarity on what it is she was supposed to deliver. And so then the next time it happened, she was prepared. Ah, I see that. I see you just sent me a text message asking me to do something, and I don't know what you mean. So I can ask more in for more information. I can ask clarifying questions. I can get your direction and guidance and be like, oh, okay, that's what you want. No problem. I can give you that. Well, then the next, ever since then, she's never had any issues because now she spots the trap. We just have to learn how to read the terrain to know where the traps are laid. And we do that by really being smart about, you know, okay, what, what just happened here and how can I avoid this next time? So that's um, a good example of overcoming obstacles. 
I love that. And I love just seeing things coming. Like, you know, you only need to see that once and then you're really, your eyes are open, right? So, and this almost covers part of applying the lessons, right? <laughs> Is, you know, once you learn that. So, but let's go there. So tell us more about that. So when we apply our lessons, we have to begin to look at things differently. And there, I offer probably five different perspectives to look at our circumstances through. And one of the first ones that I talk about is thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. Because if you add your thought and you're thinking of a math equation, thoughts plus feelings equals beliefs. And so if we can realize that our feelings or our thoughts might be lying to us, it's going to change what we believe which then changes our actions. So I don't know if I'm sure there's, you know, all the women in the audience, we've all stood on the scale and heard that voice that says you are not worthy based on some numerical value that's staring back at us on the face and on, on the little screen, right? And we're like, we base our worth on some sort of silly number that doesn't take into account, you know, whether we've had enough water, whether we're eating right, whether we're doing all the right things, it doesn't matter. Maybe we had pizza last night. I mean, all kinds of things impact that number, but the thoughts and the voices that kind of come in, we have to realize, are you telling me the truth? And then we begin to compare that voice that we're hearing and say, okay, is this my voice of insecurity? Is this God's voice? Or is this the enemy's voice trying to influence me? Because one of the things we've I've learned is that they lie. Our thoughts and our feelings can lie. We've heard other people's opinions of someone else, and it's not been right. And here's so here's an example. My husband and I, we went out to, to, for pizza the other night. And you know, we, we had a date in downtown Denver, and we go and we get pizza. And his favorite thing to put on pizza is mushrooms. Well, I can't stand that stuff. Like, and it, you can't just put it on half because it will ooze onto my side. And so, <laughs> and he doesn't like olives. I love black olives on my pizza. This is just, this is just our life. And those ooze on his side. And so we have to either order separate pizzas or we leave those off, you know? And so we have to realize that opinions don't make mushrooms good or bad or olives, good or bad. His opinion is valid, but that doesn't make it true. There's a difference between those things and recognizing when we begin to have thoughts, filtering them through, okay, what is true here? What's absolutely true? And then if I don't know, if I'm looking at something that's telling me I'm not worthy, then that begins to bump up against what God says about me. And if he says I'm worthy, just because he cre I'm created to his image, and now I'm hearing voices that are saying you're not worthy, then maybe those thoughts need to surrender. And maybe I need to filter out those thoughts, those feelings against a higher version of the truth. Not what I might be feeling right now, but what God says about me. And so then it begins to make everything come into alignment. And so that's one of the filters that we look through when we're walking through something or when we're evaluating what we've gone through in the past to kind of say, okay, what thoughts were lying to me then? What did I believe? Um, what, what was influencing my decisions and my choices? And because if we can root it back to the thoughts and the feelings, then we can be empowered to change things the next time because now we've conquered that thought. Oh, that's so good. And that unworthy voice is the loudest voice in your head, isn't it? Until you learn how to fight back. That can be the loudest, ugliest voice and it never stops. It's like the, the loop of that awful message that just keeps playing over and over and over again. And we like to think it's this big, powerful, scary thing. And it's really just as annoying as a cricket in the closet. Once you find it and you're like, oh, that little thing is causing all of this racket that makes I can't sleep because it's echoing inside the thought closet of my head. And we've realized it's this teeny little cricket and we could squish it or let it go outside and whatever your method of resolving crickets are. <laughs> My daughter Mine takes is, them to her bearded dragon. So that's what we do with crickets at our house. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Mine is to beat it with a shoe. And that helps me for many different reasons. <laughs> but, oh my gosh, that's such a great example. Oh, and it hides and it's noisy. And it creates a whole lot of unrest and disruption. And yes, that is that. That's exactly what that unworthy voice is just like. Okay, well, now we have to move on to R. So R is to reveal our story to others. Tell us a little bit about that. I love that we're doing this right now, right? Yeah. Really breaking this down. So maybe some of you have experiences in your life where you kind of took a little detour. So our lives can be signs 
They can be examples for what to do or what not to do for someone else. And so if we think of all of the signs we have in our world, where's the restroom? Where to get off on the highway? You know, like all of these, like do not enter, make a U-turn. Like how many times do we look at our life and be like, U-turn? <laughs> Detour. Give <laughs> it. Left turn, like all of these things in our life that are examples of don't go that way. Or, you know, here's the, here's the path that I followed. This is why we have mentors. This is why we have coaches that kind of like, hey, here's the path that you take to navigate around this, that, or the other thing. And it's these, these stories that we have in our life that can help somebody else have breakthrough. And so it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, the trials of our life, which it can be. Those are powerful. But it can also be, you know, hey, here's what my life story tells. And my life story says, avoid that kind of whatever that is, or it's avoid that person, um, or it's avoid that personality type, like, you know, toxic relationships, being able to hear from somebody else what gaslighting is and be like, oh, I haven't experienced that. And then all of a sudden someone, you do experience it. And they're like, oh yeah, that's what Susie was telling me about. Yeah. <laughs> or it's something like, right. Yes. Or it's um, being able to you know, find who you can trust when we're like, okay, this is the, this is how I learned how I could trust people. And this is the framework that I, you know, I heard it on Cammie's podcast and they were, she was interviewing so-and-so and they were talking about, you know, this is what she used to kind of test who she could trust. And, oh yeah, that worked. You know, it's applying those things from these wonderful resources where people are opening themselves up, you know, and saying, here's my story and here's what you can learn from it. Not because I want to tell my story to the whole world. Believe me, I'm an introvert. I'd like to, like I said, hide on the couch with a book and a blanket and it's okay. Yet I realize the power of my story gives me a responsibility to share it if it can help someone else. Fabulous. Fabulous. And that's how people can learn without having to go through each one of these things themselves, right? Learn from those who went before you. And that's what mentoring is all about, right? Once you know, I believe you really have a responsibility to go back and, and really tell the people, right? I, I think that that is so important um, as women, as entrepreneurs, as coaches, as authors, as Christians, right? Like we could go right through all of it. We have a responsibility and, uh, and people are counting on us. We do. Oh my we gosh. have to heal first, right? We can't just yes. go and tell our story with all the bitterness and anger no. and hurt. We have to do the inner work to yeah. be like, okay, this doesn't bother me anymore because it took years. I mean, my layoff happened. We're almost like, it's been seven years and I only just wrote the book. Like, so there's been some healing that has had to happen in my life before I'm ready to share everything. Um, and there's pieces and parts. Like we all have seen the weight loss pictures where we see the journey and there's journey stories that are helpful while we're in the process. But then there's also the, okay, maybe it's not okay to tell the whole truth, the whole story, I'm not saying lie, but there's a pieces of it that you just kind of keep inside until you've got the healing and you're working with coaches and mentors to kind of, you know, and um, to connect you with God, to clear it all out. I love this so much. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I know we talked about the book. I want to make sure that you share a little bit more about that, but you have a free gift for our listeners here. So let's talk about that real quick and then we'll move right into the book. I do. So one of the things that you're, you, some people may be thinking of, okay, you know, well, I don't necessarily know what promise of God to stand on. In, you know, I just need a lifeline. And so I've done that for you. I've created for you a declaration based on the word of God about how to walk through the storm. And I just want to give that to you because some people don't know how to take the word of God and make it into a declaration. And so this is just a free gift for you to be able to kind of say, you know what, I'm going to stand on your promise, God, that you're going to get me through the storm that I'm in or the storm that my friend is in or, you know, the one that I'm going to be in, because really I'd like to say we're not going to go through storms, but we are. It's, it's going to rain on everybody. And so we just have to know how do we get through them. And um, so I want to put that in your hands. Yes, that's amazing. So we'll have that link in the show notes. Just click on it and you will go right there to that. And that is an amazing tool, uh, just as we had talked a little bit about that earlier. And so you've got this great thing going on with the book and now you have more fun things that you're doing. So tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So I was taking a group of my clients through the book just as like, Hey, just walk through the book with me. Let's just do a book study. I do a book study every year with, with clients. And they were like, Sherilyn, are you going to make a workbook? <laughs> and so I'm like, yes, yes, I am. So the workbook is finished. It's getting all prettied up by a team of people who are better visually designing things than me. And so they are, um, I love the support that we can, you know, bring one another with our gifts and talents. And so it's in someone else's gift and talent box at the moment. And so they're creating the work. The workbook is going to be ready by the end of this year. So by the time this launches, the workbook will be ready. And then in January, I'm going to launch a um, book study with the author. Um, and we're going to go through the book again together using this workbook as our guide. Amazing. Amazing. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. Your Roar method is amazing. I love it. And I'm actually going to finish reading and learn this and start trying it out myself uh, the way that you have it mapped out here so that I can see exactly what that looks like just based on what you've said here and written in the book. Let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. So the best place to go for all the things is my website, SherilynDecker.com. And if you use forward slash invincible, it'll take you right to the free gift and the links to social and all of that stuff. Um, so that will be the quick win. Um, Beautiful. That. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And now a word from our sponsor, Christine Trumbull, founder of Coaching the Climb, understands the challenges of building a successful business. She's faced many of those challenges herself and helped hundreds of clients build successful businesses. With the launch of her new podcast, The Climb with Christine, you will hear the same advice she gives her clients, as well as conversations with experts in a variety of topics, including business, health, relaxation, mindset, kids, and fashion. Check it out on iTunes, The Climb with Christine, and be sure to subscribe, download, and give her a rating and review. Well, you know, on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners that we're going to bring them fierce female entrepreneurs, that we are going to share expert zones of genius. Oh my gosh, you have over delivered here today. And I appreciate you so much for that. I know that lives will be changed from the conversation that we're having right now that people will be listening to. Uh, but we also promise them that we're going to pull back the curtain. See, women especially are constantly comparing themselves to other women. They see your success. They see, the, you know, they're going to read your book and they're hearing your story and they think she's lucky, right? She's lucky. She grew up in a Christian family. She already knew God when she got here. She was prepared. They think all this stuff. It's insane. I remember being that way too. So I have to, you know, be real with myself. But what they don't know is what you had to overcome to become who you are right now, to have the success and the, the impact that you have to be able to help other people in their life's journey. And so we're going to pull back the curtain right now, and we are about to go real deep in the good, the bad, and the ugly of you, Sherilyn Decker. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. You're thinking my book's already out there. They probably know most of it, right? But there's so much, as you said. Okay, well, we're going to start with the good. The good is going to be the beautiful experiences I have with my clients because my favorite moments are when I get a word or a picture from God dropped into my mind, almost like a movie screen, like, right, comes into my mind. And then I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is. And so I'll ask them, okay, Cammy, what does this picture mean? And I may have no idea. But it automatically opens up this awareness and this curiosity that unlocks such clarity for them because I may not have known, but you could have had a dream last night about that same thing. And then I get a picture in my mind or something could have happened. And then all of a sudden it draws attention to it. And so I love those moments with my clients that God just shows up and says, hey, I have something for you and I want to use it. Oh, that's so beautiful. So you have a little intuition going on with God dropping these little signs to you. I love that. Okay, so tell us a story about the bad. Okay, so there were the wrong voices that I let speak into my life. 
the negative Nellies, the naysayers, those that don't see or can't see the dreams and visions that we have. They're discouraging and they're disempowering and they can be anybody. They can be family, they can be friends or people in your mastermind group. And I had to realize that those relationships were draining the life out of me. And I had to sit with God and say, what are you asking me to do with these relationships? Did you want me to invest into turning them around and kind of do the work to kind of reconcile and, you know, and to figure out how to make this work? Or was he asking me to let them dissolve? And that was a hard choice. But I had to let go and trust that God with all the people that were around me. And he brought the right ones in. Because when we trust God to bring the right people in, he will do so. And the people he has brought into my life, even as I reflect back, are people that are calling me to the next level. They're cultivating the right mindset. They're empowering and equipping, but we have to have the wisdom and the discernment. I had to learn that. I had to learn who the right people were. And then I had to either set boundaries or prune some relationships to be like, okay, I want to be open, God, for the right people to come into my life. And it was really hard to kind of face what am I going to do with this negative negativity, these people that don't see the same vision that I have, because they were like, well, I do this. So that makes, you know, your vision, my, why can't you do what I do? Whether that's homeschool your kids or stay at home. But I knew that I was called to the marketplace. I knew that I was called to work with women or in, I was called to work to the corporate world. I wasn't called to stay home. And so I wasn't called to homeschool my kids. I was called to send my kids out into the mission field in the public school system. And so that was, just, I had to recognize that I had to shut all the voices out or be like, that's okay for you, but that's not the choice that God has given me. And so to be able to wrestle with that and all the different voices that were speaking to me, not just the voice of, you know, the, of the, you're not worthy that it's coming in my ear, but these are real people who are speaking in saying, well, you know, I can't catch your dream or, oh, your story is not going to impact anybody. When really my husband has been saying for years, my best friends have been saying for years, when are you going to write the book? And so to be able to listen to the right voices that were giving you the direction that were speaking to me and kind of directing me what I felt like God was leading to me to versus the people that like, you know, didn't value my contribution. Wow. That is so powerful. So, so powerful. Okay. And you know, it takes courage, right? Besides what you already said, like it, it's that three seconds of courage that we talk about that in that decision, because it's really hard to let go of people and relationships and the history, right? And the comfortableness, but when you know they're not your people, right? And if they're, you never want to be outside, one step outside of the plan, right? And when you realize that, I think it makes it a little bit easier, but it's still really scary because then you're like, well, who will be, you know, where are my friends going to be? How am I going to, then I'm not going to have any friends, right? Uh, but yes, you are, you're going to have friends that are a million times better, right? And more fruitful and more aligned. And they're the ones that you're supposed to have. And that's the most important. Oh my gosh, I love that story. Okay, tell us about the ugly. Okay, the transformation work is ugly. It's the process where you just mentioned you're alone. It's just like goo. You're kind of like the caterpillar dissolving into something else. It's disgusting. It's the period of our process that's a lot of surrender, a lot of dying to ourselves, a lot of seeds in the ground that you're just waiting, waiting, waiting. And it's marked by a lot of times in my life, the ugly cry. And we're dormant. We don't see the fruit. We don't see the result of all the work that we're doing. It's a struggle. It's tight. It's uncomfortable. And then we emerge. And then we emerge. There's still struggle in that too. But we don't realize the strength of what it takes to get out of this current situation we're in. We don't realize the strength that's inside of our wings. We don't realize any of that. But then when we get out of that transformation process, we don't even recognize ourselves. Because I am not the same woman, wife, or mother that I was back then. Thankfully, my husband thinks it's an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to encourage you to do the work of transformation. 
to lean into those difficult circumstances and let them teach you in your life, in your business, in whatever your calling is, because these struggles surface so that we can wipe away that icky stuff. They struggle and they surface so that God can show us what needs to change about us because we can't be caterpillars anymore. He's calling us into something else. And in that goo season, when we're like, it's really icky, we're looking at all of the stuff and we're like, gosh, that reaction has to change because I can't get where I'm going on the wings of anxiety. I can't get where I'm going on the wings of fear. I can't get where I'm going on the wings of not trusting God to provide for my business provide clients to provide the right connections um provide i was listening to one of your podcasts and you're like you know you found somebody that you needed in an email that hit your box as soon as you were like waiting to wanting to hire somebody and interview people and it wasn't right the right fit and then ping, you've got mail <laughs> all of a sudden there it is and you're like oh my gosh and so but we have to be able to kind of you know go through that struggle and trust that god is going to provide for us because when we do that it can strengthen us and it will transform us and it builds a confidence that helps us face fiercely face off the next thing and the next thing because we can't avoid those struggles those struggles and those trials in the future but the difference is going to be how we get through it and because this whole podcast is about being invincible women on it's really about how to be invincible on the other side of what we're walking through so that we're equipped Oh my gosh. I am like almost out of words. I'm just, I love every, every single thing you said. Let's, um, I want to speak about, uh, before we wrap this up about the lack of patience in the waiting of the transformation and how detrimental that jumping the gun, taking it in your own hands can be. So I know this is a clean podcast, but wait is a four-letter word. (laughs) (laughs) It is. We don't like it. I mean, wait requires on the unknown when. When is it going to happen? And I really don't know because, you know, we are beings that are created inside of time when God is outside of time. And so he sees things that this is happening for you. This is going to happen for you. But what feels like to us a long period to wait doesn't mean that things aren't happening for us, that things aren't coming into alignment, that we're not going to be at the right place at the right time, that doors aren't going to open for us in the right time. And when we get into that place where wait, we have to face the waiting, then there's a lot of stuff that God is working on us, like patience, not getting frustrated, you know, realizing that, okay, if it's, you know, there's got to be a purpose for this delay and maybe it's not me. I love the story and I'm going to protect the people, but there's somebody that I know that was wait, that knew, that knew, that knew, that knew that God called them to a certain city to have a certain job. And they even kind of knew kind of an idea of where. And so they were waiting and he had to become a barista to pay for his, you know, to feed his family and, you know, work this other job. He was doing exactly what he was told to do. He knows he's moving to this other city across the United States, and he's going to be doing this particular job because he's already been in preparation for this. Meanwhile, the person in that job is in disobedience. They know they're supposed to leave, and they haven't left yet. So here's somebody else who's supposed to be coming in, who knows they're coming in, who's doing everything right, but they're delayed because somebody else isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. So sometimes the wait isn't about us. Sometimes it is. And there's stuff we need to work on and there's healing that needs to happen. And and there's fruit that needs to develop in us. And then other times it's waiting for somebody else to do something else to move on or to, you know, um, to engage, to do something that God is asking them to do. And they're not. And so we have to understand that we have to trust God and say, you know, you're the creator of time. And so if you're the creator of time and you're the creator of my purpose and my plans, you are going to make sure that I accomplish what I'm supposed to accomplish. And I need to surrender. This is the letting go, just the hard part of when it's going to happen. And I can't say that I've won this battle. I continue to face the weight, um, but just to trust that, you know, life is going to, we're just going to have to figure out how to be in the process, how to be in the waiting, um, because we spend a lot of time of our life in process and we have to learn how to wait well. Uh, 
Wait well. Oh, that's like a hashtag right there. Wait well. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh my gosh, what a joy to have this conversation and to be able to spread this across the world and even in other countries where they're listening to us right now. So thank you so much for joining together with me to be a big impactor here today in this world. And to our listeners, click the link to the show notes and get get with uh, Cheryl Lynn and grab that book. You want to read the book and, and just tap into some of what she's got here for you today, because it is amazing. And I'm sure it will impact your life. And I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl, get back up. You can do it. Tell them, Sherilyn. Oh my goodness. And let me just leave you with this one final thing. Because I love the way Romans 8, 28 says it, that God will use all things for his good, for those who are called according to his purpose, which you are. He's created a purpose for you that only you can do. And so if he's going to, if he has that for you, then whatever you've walked through, he's going to use for his good. So if you've walked through something and girl, you didn't do it very good, that's okay. God can fix it. He can redeem it and he can use it for your purpose. And if you're walking through something right now, if you know, and, and you can trust God in it because he's got you and he will use what you're walking through for your good, whether it's to transform you, whether it's to give your story some power, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, he's going to use it. And if you're not going through anything right now, then girl, this is your season to be equipped, build that teachable spirit so that all the things, the good, the bad, and the ugly God can use for his purpose and for the good in your life. Oh my gosh. Get back up, girl. Get back up. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.